Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosie Hour Podcast. And today, our guests are Tierra Booker, a vaginal steaming lounge in Baltimore, Maryland, and Justine Osilla from Hey J Rose. Yay! Everybody drink Rose. Rose. So we sip Rose. We gonna sip Rose. Rose. Sipping Rose. Baby girl, she don't play. Don't play. So we sipping Rose. We're gonna sip rose. That rose hour, baby. Guess what time it is? It's time to get loud. It's time to represent Sunset Park. What time is it? Okay, it's not really Sunset Park time. It's Rose Hour. It's that time. Hey, it's me, your host, Renee, and Bartender Ben. Yes, yes. We're here. Another episode, another week. Yes, you guys have made it through week 97 of the quarantine. And I think quarantine over with. I think the government just said, damn it, we're tired of playing this joke. And, uh, you know, we're going to just go ahead and move along. I'm not going to go that far, but, you know, hey, (laughs) people are entitled to their opinions. I think that, you know... I don't know what I think anymore. Right. I don't know what I think anymore. What I do know is I don't have to go back to work in the office. <laughs> hey, hit the clap button on that. Which one is that? Hey, it's a beautiful thing when you're able to work from home and still make the same amount of income. Um, you know, you don't have the commuting costs. It's a good thing. And I think coming out of COVID, you know, the, the world is is seeing that it's just more, more efficient to work from home and work virtually as opposed to maintaining a physical location for you to come into. You got to do all these, this other stuff. Right. You got to have a you water know, cooler for everybody. A, water a copier. A fa- because like everybody has gone paperless right, right. now and no right. one's been like mm. so the environment's been good. Carbon imprint is down. The ozone's like hey girl hey. It's, it's bouncing back. You know what I mean? She looking like she 22 again. Right. Twerking and perking out there. I want to go with twerking and perking. Hey, you turn my volume up. Oh, I'm trying to hit myself better. There you go. Okay. And he's yeah. turning my volume up, y'all. So if I sound mad loud, dur, then that's why. I think it's more genetic than anything. Ain't, ain't got nothing to do with this board, you know. Oh. <laughs> Us folk, we, we, we talk a little louder than most. Well, I would we, say We have more that. amputuity in our voice. Speak. I okay. All right. Okay, then. girl. Um, sure. Mm. So, I don't know if you watched this week's episode of Insecure. You know, I watch episodes of Insecure. Um, real quick, plug Fairhill Studios. We had a song, uh, Little Mama, that was on Insecure. Check it out this season. I think it was episode what three. I think so. Bet. Check that out. Well, do you remember the scene? I think it was where um, Issa was driving, was it? And right. And like, she... Do, do you remember how it goes? With the song or the... Yeah. So that people... It goes... Do, 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 do. Bounce with me. Oh, oh. Sound like that. Hey, little mama. mama. So how does that feel having a song make it to TV, like to prime time? Shout out to the uh, 
people who, you know, laid it down at Fairhill. Yeah. Um, no, it was just cool. It was it was a weird feeling. And I don't want to go too far into it. I just want to really just plug that because we're going to really feature that this week. Um, but it was a good thing, man. It was a good feeling because we were sitting there watching the episode. I'm like, man, that song sounds familiar. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait just a cotton <laughs> Wait a minute. I recorded that a while ago. If this ain't what right. I did back in 96, <laughs> that's what it felt like. Yeah, it yeah it felt just like that. So, um, you know, shout out to uh, Insecure and shout out to Issa shout and out. to our friend. So I have a friend from college who is a writer on the show named Yakira Chambers, and she moved out to LA mm-hmm. uh, right after graduation, and she is doing her thing. She actually was on an episode too. She was like she had a cameo, and a lot of people don't remember this episode. So there is like Molly walking down the street, right? And like she bumps into this girl that was like this beautifully chocolate woman, right? And she was like, hey girl, where you been? She was like, man, I don't fight no more. I went to my therapist and I... So like people are like vaguely remember that part of the episode. That's Yakira. And shout out to all of the black creatives that have entrepreneurial minds that's able to monetize their um, creative ability. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, we got to ask, what what are we drinking today? Man, we got a Dark Horse Rosé. That sounds like a Katy Perry song. Like, it do. Dark Horse. And side note, we're going to come back to the insecure thing. I think we just need a sip. And that's why I brought up asking the question about, like, what are we what are we drinking today? Because this episode of Insecure was very, very interesting and touching and relevant but <laughs> what's good with the dark horse oh my god give us the cape give you the tea man dark horse wine is a refreshing and bright blush wine with a convenient screw cap but easy opening and secure storage now you know just reading that first line ease of access sometimes I ain't trying to pop a cork maybe I just want to twist it off so I get to the party quicker and I can also recap it you can recap it I ain't gotta you know get them little things you gotta steal from fancy restaurants to cap your wine okay Bruh. those are called um, what they call wine stoppers right you know what I mean you gotta get you know you gotta steal a couple of those Bruh. you, those you purchase those or you can do that too bartender you know? Ben my bad I, I'm a bartender I'm telling you how to do it I don't know you do wrong things do them the right way Anywho, uh, anywho yeah, yeah, back to this wine, man. It's uh, interested, uh, uh, you know. I like, I like this uh, wine, man. You know, um, it come it's a California pink wine. It features fruity strawberry, raspberry, and melons. I love fruity drinks. It's like, no, nah, I like uh, fruity wine. I mean, they're you delicious, know, I, I like and like they, you get the effervescence yeah. of like strawberries, uh, raspberries, snazberries. The raspberries taste like snazberries. That's really, you know, they, they even got tart cherries in this, you know, and that provides a playful and fun taste. You know what I mean? It's perfect for drinking those summer days. Hey, it's summer now, so you may want to get you a glass of this. Or blending into a frosé. So, you know, frosé is a frozen rosé. You know, it's a, it's a thing that's out now. Check it out at your local spot that sells frosé, frozen rosé. Because you know where that is better than we do. Right, because we don't local, know where you at. We in your local community. Right. But don't worry, we might have an app dropping. Boom. Boom. We talking about like an app to show you where all the uh, rosé bars or something at? Yeah, like where you can like get that. a kind of, like if you're like, hey, I'm in a mood for a 
fruity rosé that's sparkling that's from Spain. Mm. An app will be like, four miles away. And your GPS be like, driving car. Because at that point in life, cars are going to drive by themselves. Man, we're Jetson seeing this. Jetson. Is that like the pearl of Jetsons? I, don't know. I like the idea. Maybe, you know, um, a wine finder, like online. Like, you just want to find a rosé. You just type in different um, um, attributes of the wine, and it, you know, zeroes down to wines that had those attributes. So you can order them straight from the app. So, Or, or I, go to the bar and pick them up. <laughs> all right, we have to be careful here. Um, our listeners have not signed NDAs and... Uh, not everyone is trustworthy, but I think the idea is a grand one. And well, we you heard it first, and if I see it, I know you stole it. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and she was in law school, too, so I don't know if you want to try that. Eh, whatever. So about that, right? So, uh Insecure. Insecure. Which is why I needed a sip right. of this amazing rosé. Dissolving friendships slash relationships. Yeah, this season, I think a lot of people are like, what's going on with the entire, you know, Issa relationship with um, Molly and like what went wrong? Um, I think they were both growing into different people. And they weren't growing together, you know. So, like, if you look at it on the episode, Molly's doing her thing in the legal world, and she has to be more cunning and more, you know, she has to be a different person than what she used to be. Well, did she? Because, like, to be honest, right? Molly was evil in her new workplace. But I mean, but, but and it did not behoove her to be evil. It didn't. It didn't. Well, I'm saying it didn't pay her well to do that, but that's the person that she became. She grew into becoming this kind of cold, callous, and it's masking this. I'm being direct and I'm looking forward for my future. It's like, no, you're kind of being a dick, you know? And, and I think, um, you know, Issa in the in the episode is growing more into who she is as a woman, you know, and finding herself in. She, she sees those flaws in her character. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, I can see why you're not in a successful relationship because you have blurring character flaws. Well, I don't know, you know? if that's what she was going with or more like, we all need work. Because even like when she was like talking to her, she was trying, she being Issa to Molly, you know, during, during the season was more like, hey we can do things a better way. And like one of her things she's always saying is like, you create problems. Like a problem doesn't exist. You just created one. Like from all of the relationships, even when she got with, China, uh, with, with, with what's his name? I forgot the guy. The the guy she's with now. Um, An Asian kid. Yeah, well, uh, it was like she didn't want to do that because she was creating problems. And like she was using the problem of her parents where her dad, you know, cheated on her mom and made it about her. And it was like, she does have the cycle of doing that. And I mean, we all know people like that. Self-sabotage. Yeah. And so, like, it's good to see her moving through that. But, like, I can remember the guy's brother's name, Victor, but I can't remember his name. Anyway, um, <laughs> it, it, it was like she created that 
problem in Mexico, right? She could have, and it's, it's like also too, the ownership of letting go, right? right? Like sometimes in moments, you know, we we are being disserviced and like there may have been a, a racist moment, but did it deserve that attention to take away from the fact that you were on vacation? Like, yes, the lady was being rude. Yes, she could have done better. But now you're making everyone else like stew in this longer than we need to because we know it's covert it's covert it happens so like why are we dwelling in in it like let's talk about it let's give it attention when we need it but like also like i can't live my life like this all day every day because i'll be mad all day every day and that don't feel good right and so now like Issa's like girl let that energy go you know and to be honest, Molly was wrong for coming up in front of her, trying to fight her at her event. Like, I wish a friend would try to fight me at an event I did. I mean, it boils down to, yeah, Molly's just being selfish. I mean, if you really just look at the trade and, and I think Issa picked up on that. Um, you know, she was selfish at work. You know, it was people recommended her to navigate a certain way through, you know, work situations. She didn't listen. She tried to put herself out in the forefront there. You know, in a relationship, she's not really seeming like to be open to, you know, to what her partner needs are. You know what I mean? It but just, also within that, for Isa and her partner's needs, it was like also she was trying to provide them, but he was in a depression, right? Which is what he admitted. He wasn't receptive of her energy to be there, which is why she was like, I used to drive around instead of coming home because why I'm trying to be good but like I can't it's not a one way street and I think that's what happened and so I think with Issa she's gone through like this transition and it's it's and if you haven't seen it spoiler alert uh Lawrence and Issa got back together but also Lawrence is a completely different person right completely different person than he was when we first met him in the first season yeah. Completely. And I mean, it, it's good to see him make that that change and that progression. But you also see like what fuels and drives that in a man. You know what I mean? You get a, a glimpse into that. When you know a, a guy's fed up with the situation, he's like, "Man, I need to change my life." But in the middle of that, like that that dark side that you go through. You know, those sleepless nights when you're up and you're pacing and you're walking around and you're thinking about, like, hey, how can I make myself better and make my situation better? So, you know, a lot of times for women in relationships, it's kind of hard to deal with a guy that's striving to be better because, you know, the way they... They move ain't like they trying to be better. Right. Because Lawrence did not look like... Because he... Like, I'm sorry. When he missed her birthday, that was kind of, like, whack. I get it. Like but five I mean, years. Like you could have been like, happy birthday. But your depression, and I get it, depression is real. I yeah. dig it. I just don't, I, I think in the middle of that, Issa didn't do a good job of checking in on her dude. I don't think she did a good job. And I think that's why the relationship failed. Because it, again, I think it's just based in selfishness. I'm not getting what I want right now. Instead of look, looking into why, why am I not? Why have the relationship changed? You know what I mean? I don't, she, think, I don't know if I agree with that because it's like 
Why not? I Why feel like TV? so is the onus on the person to check in consistently, constantly. We both see that there's an issue, but I'm here, right? She was there trying to be supportive. She was trying to be fun. She was trying to be entertaining. She was trying to accommodate the situation. Um, but I think this even plays into her relationship with Molly because Molly was aware of all the stuff she was doing for Lawrence and how she was trying to work through it. And then she's like, you're dramatic because you were doing all this, you know, when Lawrence was doing nothing. So it was also like the judgment she was receiving because she was being accommodated. I mean, it's just, I think that's the, the, the point gets missed a lot for a guy. It's not for the guy to be accommodated. He really wants to be understood in that moment. You know what I mean? Like a guy that's going through something, he wants to know that, hey, you understand what I'm going through. And men just go through things differently, man. I really applaud women and how they process stuff because a woman could be going through a ton of stuff and still just walk around with a smile and navigating stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, because, like, to be honest, the world don't stop. Right. Can't stop, won't stop. Rock right. You know what I mean? Men don't, men don't um, handle things like that. So, you know, we process things a little differently. Yeah, and it's interesting to see even, too, like, the processing between Issa and Molly you know, about the incident, right? Because even though Issa, actually, I, I'm kind of on Issa's side. Like, I have maybe pissed you off to the highest level of station, right? That is a reality. I probably have done that, right, as a friend. At my event, though? Yeah, yes. You know, they could have definitely had a sidebar. Hey, let's meet at the coffee shop around the way and uh. Like, give me, let me get off my high. Like, give me till tomorrow at noon. Right. And then, you know, slice me down. But like, yeah. slice me down. But like right now, like Not I'm it. literally still here. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's it goes back to the selfish trait. You know, uh, Molly is selfish. You know, she needed to have her answers and her resolve and and whatever she needed to know right then she had to confront her then as opposed to saying you know what it's not time for my problems or what I need to go through like you say hey let's meet up for brunch tomorrow and then you can cuss her out or fight in the parking lot or something I don't know you can handle it like that but you know as being a friend and knowing how hard she worked for that um event why ruin it and why dimmer light that day well and also like it, it was like that morning she set herself up to mess it up because she was like, I don't know, it's going to rain. What do I wear to a thing in January? And, and, her, and her boyfriend was like, it's California. Right. It's 70 degrees in January. What you talking about? And it was like her mindset show. She went into it to be combative. And like, I get it, right? And yes, we're talking a few episodes back. But that's because we're trying to get to like this last episode where that conversation, right? Like, I actually had an incident like that happened before to me in my life um, where I received a text in the middle of being somewhere where I thought everything was cool. And the text I received was about me and I wasn't supposed to get it. That's one of the weirdest moments you probably can have in life. And like, I, I agree with Issa. Like, all you can do is leave. But it was like Molly didn't even understand how messed up that emotionally could be. Like someone that you feel is like your best friend. And you might be going through a blip with them, but like to do that and then like 
the conversation where she was like, maybe we've outgrown each other. And Issa said, as you could see her, you know, breaking down, okay. And Molly's like, okay. And she's like, yeah, we've outgrown each other. You said it. Like, she did a... She being Molly thought that Issa was going to fight because she valued her opinion of what their friendship should be versus of what her friend needed in that moment. And that was like so like gut-wrenching. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, telltale signs that a relationship is over when people emotionally detach. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. her emotions were detached from that. She didn't really even care about how Issa would respond to the things that was happening and the things that she was saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. She didn't care. So I mean, I think that you know, just being numb to how someone else feels about what you do as a telltale sign. I mean, if you go a long time without talking to somebody and it, it feels awkward. Well, it's kind of hard to yeah. to start that conversation back up. You know, I mean, you know, me and Joe, like, I, I go maybe a week or something without talking to him. But when I pick up the phone or we, we link up, it's just like, ain't nothing ever happened. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, I have friends like that, too, where I can actually go, like, six months. Because, like, so I have some friends that have international travel. Mm-hmm. And so, like, one of my friends who, shout out to her, pew, 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 who, who will rename Nameless because she travels out of the country, probably out of the country now. Um, I don't even know how she get out. But anyway, um, we could go, like, six months without talking. But, like, we pick up exactly, like, nothing has ever happened. Like, time has never passed. Right. right. We'll catch up because clearly time has passed. But it, like the friendship is still there with that same level of respect and, and camaraderie. And it's like for them to get to this point, I think it's a deeper issue than just outgrowing each other. I, I think really, in my opinion, just observing Bali in the episode and how she was moving. I just think that she thought that she's better than Issa. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's really that and just, you know, it fuels everything else. Like, if I think I'm better than you, then my interest in in what I got going on is more important than yours. Yeah, because she wasn't even supportive of anything that she was doing that was positive for her. Right. Right, with the block party. She was like, I don't want to connect you to, you know, my boyfriend's people because I care about my relationship more than you succeeding. Now, I understand how that can go. However, comma, the opportunity to be like, well, what about doing X, Y, Z? Like, because you don't want your friend to fail. Like, finding an alternative. Well, maybe I don't feel comfortable with that, but I feel comfortable with maybe this. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You'll find a way to yeah. help people if you're not comfortable yeah. in certain situations. You will still try to make sure that they don't fail. Yeah, and again, I thought that was selfish too. You know, it just around just Molly just is becoming a shitty person, and yeah. and we all know somebody like that too. I mean, everybody knows somebody. Yeah, you know, another telltale sign of when to walk away, and they become shitty. Walk away, yes, walk away, walk away, walk away. (laughs) But okay, so we have one more episode left for this season, and. I will say, like, it's been slow. This has been a very slow season. And the episodes seem like they're only, like, 15 minutes long. 
they do seem shorter. It seems like they're doing a lot of character development and showing you a lot of the lives of the other characters on the show. Yeah. You know, that may not be as interesting. I just want them to do an episode focusing on Kelly. <laughs> like we got it. We we need to know more about Kelly. Yeah, she's a financial advisor. Like I didn't really picked up on that until like I rewatched the episode. I was like, oh, she was helping Issa with her money problems because she's a financial advisor, right? And she's good apparently, right? And and like she's she's always making jokes and about like she's lived a life, right? And, and that's what I appreciate about the Insecure series. It shows young black professionals not as these stuffy, you know, people. Yeah, you know they're, I mean? not, they're not. I mean, yeah. Uh, what's her face? Amanda Seals character, Tiffany. Like, she tries to be bougie, but she's bougie ratchet. Right. Because she's still, like, she... Didn't she do a Molly when she was pregnant? That's when they went to uh, Coachella. Like, I feel like she she was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, she smoked or she drank or something. And they were like, I mean, the baby will be all right. And she she was on one because she was crying in the closet. Right. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think people even realize, like, she did something with that baby in that belly. Yeah. But even so, like, even <laughs> Kelly, you know, pissing on herself after she got tased. Like, right. You know what I mean? It shows the the, um, the real side and what young black professionals really look like. And, yeah. and to be honest, that's sometimes what some of my friendship circles look like. That Coachella <laughs> debacle um, at the end of the night, I have seen it. I'm not going to say what character I was. Please keep keep all that competition. <laughs> Protect the names of the innocent. That's right. That's right. right. That's right. Well, y'all stay tuned this Sunday for Insecure's final episode, their season finale. I'm so excited. Shout out to Issa Rae. Shout out to just being innovative in, in, in Black Hollywood and creating, you know, a millennial Black Hollywood. You know, she did the uh, Aqua Black Girl series on YouTube and that's like where she got her start and like really being able to tell these stories. Um, and I also want to shout out pew, 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 them about their wine drinking on the episodes because they be getting down with the wine and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll figure a way to get some rosé on it. Uh-oh. Hey! So, speaking of rosé, we have a lot of women on the episode today. <laughs> and they're both amazing. So, our first guest is Tierra Booker. Uh-oh. She has a company in Baltimore where you can go steam your lady parts. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds like that's probably needed for... um. But JJ is everywhere. Uh, I don't know. Well, they also do men's portions too. So I could get my 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 thing uh, stained. Your protective gear could be. I don't know if it's protective. so. Time, hold time. Yeah. So she talks about it in the episode. Like we talk about it. I know we go. We, I know she talk about it. But real quick, this more edification. Why do I need to steam my stuff? Well, she talks about that. So you got to listen to the episode. I got to listen to the episode. I just want to know what are the benefits of me steaming my, my, you're, my you're, Johnson? Uh, well, that's my last name, so that's kind of awkward. 
Hey, is that like a play on word? Anyway, anyways, um, we going too crazy. And yeah, so and then okay, so we we talked to her, and it's awesome because we learned so much about like the health benefits and you know sort of like how she even got into it. She was actually a firefighter in Baltimore first, so she's a small business owner doing her thing. She's opening up more locations, and it's like a party. Like you can't drink when you do it because like clearly it's a detox but she talks about like how people come and how they do it and then we talked to my new homie uh, Justine Osella uh, who is becoming a winemaker she is in school right now uh, and studying to be a winemaker her name is on um Instagram, Hey J Rose. So I'm really Hey J. Hey J <laughs> Rose. So I'm really excited about that interview too. And she like really is young and um, Asian and you know very you know like awesome as a woman minority into this industry. So. That's what we need. Yeah, we need that. We need that creativity from you know. All the ladies. All of them. All the ladies. All, All the ladies. shades. All the ladies. Colors, sides, All and creeds. All the ladies. Around the world. Because we take in all over the world. Yeah. I don't know why I did a Jay-Z, but I could just be like, we run the world. Like, Girl, we got to get into this episode, man. <laughs> Come on, we keep wasting these people time running their mouths, man. They went here with these brilliant people to talk about. All right, about. well, first find out more about the health benefits to streaming that lady part down there. I'm going to definitely listen to this. Turn that up. <laughs> all right, here's our first episode. I mean, our first interview. See? Rose's kicking in. It's that dark horse. Oh my, oh my, oh, oh my God. Hey there, friends. It's Renee. And today we are here with a great, amazing guest. She's in Baltimore. She owns a fabulous business where you can get your lady part steamed. Mm, we get to definitely talk more about that. So today, without further ado, Tara Booker. Good morning. And how are you? I'm good. How are you? Ah, hanging in there with this COVID, you know, 51 days I've been, you know. It yeah. feels like 91. Right. It feels like the entire year is gone. But it was just February, March and April. <laughs> ah, We will be outside soon. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate you. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, yes. So steaming the V. This is something that a lot of people have questions about. I mean, I got tons of questions. We already talked about some. Um, so would love for you to kind of like tell everybody your journey and how you got to owning a business as, as such. So I've been in the vegetable steaming business and I really don't consider it a business. I kind of consider it my calling and my passion because I found out about vegetable steaming from a personal experience. Ooh. Yeah, and so, <laughs> um, which I'll talk more about the benefits in a minute, but um, I myself suffer from painful and irregular periods, and as a result, um, I just went to my doctors, as most of us do, mm -hmm. and my doctor gave me a prescription. Prescription only made matters worse. Ooh. 
And so I started taking a prescription. I'm like, this just isn't it. This is not the thing. And so after some time of suffering from um, like aggressive headaches and mood swings due to the prescription, because those were some of the side effects, I said, you know what? It has to be something better than this. Mm-hmm. And so considering that I am a professor, I said, let me just research. So I started researching, researching, and I found um, a woman based out of California who lived by this thing called vaginal steaming. And so she had a lot of white papers and a lot of research and different articles. And then I stumbled across a YouTube video. Mm. And so I said, well, let me watch this video. I still was a little reluctant, but I was like, I'm going to watch it anyway. And so after about 30 or 40 minutes, because the video was about 70 or so minutes, I was like, you know what? She keeps talking about these all-natural herbs. It's nothing that's going to kill me. Herbs come from plants, and I know their healing properties. So I said, let me just try it out. And so I started steaming. I took the herbs that she told me to use or pretty much advised for people to use for certain um, issues and conditions. And I started steaming myself every Sunday. So this was like something that was religious. So on Sundays, I would take time for myself. So it was also a self-care practice. Um, And I would steam. And so after about, keep in mind, if you're steaming every, every Sunday, um, throughout the month, you're only going to be steaming three times because your period's going to come at some point. Oh, okay. And so I would steam every week, um, on, like clockwork, wouldn't be the same time, but it would be on Sundays. And so after about four or five steams, I noticed not only um, was the pain uh, alleviated, but I noticed that bloating had subsided. I noticed that it helped with circulation because I do yoga and I also jog a little bit. And so I was having better circulation as far as um, having like pains and tingling sometimes in my legs um, because my previous profession, I'm retired. I was a firefighter. And wow. So a lot of aggressive <laughs> work. And that's why yoga is very important to me. You're a wonder and, woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't share that with everybody, but I just felt the need to share it there because of the benefits. Yeah. And so also, um, it kind of sort of, it, it just, not to kind of go into all of the benefits, it helped with things that were not even relative to my vaginal parts. Mm. And so after a while, I was just like, maybe it's something to this. And around the same time, you know, that I was seeing a lot of relief, I noticed a lot of women were getting partial and full hysterectomies without getting second opinions. And so I remember in the video that vaginal statement helps with issues as it relates to or um, typically doctors consider women getting hysterectomies. And so I said, you know what? This is how to me. Within that time period, I had started steaming my daughter because I have an age 17 then. I'm sorry, 16 then, now 18-year-old. And so I said, you know what? If it's helping me, I'm going to start with her. And so because yeah. she was 16, I was like, we'll do it maybe twice a month. She had complained of painful periods. And so I just said, we'll try it out. She got same benefits. You know, it helped relieve some of the PMS symptoms. It helped with the color of the um, your blood because we're not going to probably go into that, but your period blood is supposed to be a certain color. 
Mm. And so just so many benefits that it helped me and my daughter with. I said, this has to be, it has to be a way to help other women. And so pretty much that's how the vagina lounge was birthed through my own and my daughter's experience. Wow. The the vagina lounge. Yes. That's the name of my business. I love it. Yeah. Because what do you do when you come to the vagina lounge? So when you come to the Vagina Lounge, first you're welcome with the hug. That's one of the reasons, main reasons why it's tough to do it right now during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Can't really do that hug part. <laughs> I guess it'll be an elbow bump. Right. Like a, a low five with your feet. <laughs> it's a mess. But anyway, so I welcome my um, clients because I'm a very big on relationship building. And so... Um, I definitely want them to feel comfortable considering most of the clients that come in are a little nervous, especially if you've never done something like this before. Because just like with everything, we have our wonderful World Wide Web and lots of people go into Googling things and take some of that information that they receive as gospel. Mm -hmm. And so that being said, a lot of people come in very nervous. So I try my best to kind of... Relieve some of that nervousness by being very welcoming, very positive, and genuine. I I couldn't be phony if I even tried. I don't have a phony bone in my body. So pretty much that's how it starts. Yeah. You know, welcoming them in. Then I just ask clients, do they need to relieve themselves? Because sometimes when you're steaming, your body or your um, bladder and your vaginal area may feel like you need to pee. And so I ask them, do you need to urinate? Do you need to go to the bathroom? so that we won't have that issue um, while steaming. Mm. Um, in the Vagina Lounge, I have beverages. The beverages that I mostly have are water and tea. Um, some people equate vaginal steaming with getting um, inebriated, and so <laughs> <laughs> I'm often asked, can clients bring in alcohol? However, I don't prohibit it. I just advise them that Unless it's a special occasion, like sometimes I do what is called a sipping steam, I would just prefer that because it's a detox, that you are not throwing in more toxins right away. Throwing it, right, <laughs> throwing, it throwing it back and throwing it out. No, <laughs> I like so, that. So I try to just, um, you know, be a representation by just providing um, sometimes infused water and then herbal tea, of course. Ooh. And so um, then once they're um, invited to that, whether they take a um, partake or not, that's up to them. Then um, we kind of talk about um, like the process because some people, once again, are still a little nervous. And so I don't try to like rush into it. You know, I'm still trying to kind of trying to kind of trying to ease them into it. Um, So with all my clients, in addition to getting a pre um, consultation survey um, that's very in- extensive because remember my background is in health and emergency medicine. Um, I ask over 27 questions to make sure that you are the perfect person for vaginal steaming. Um, there won't be any issues or concerns on the steaming stool. Um, one specific thing, if you have high blood pressure, I don't steam more than 20 minutes because it may elevate your pressure. Um, so it's not something that I'm just like, Boom, boom, boom. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're, you tailor <laughs> so, the experience to the person's needs, it sounds right. like. Yeah, that, certain, I love that. There are certain um, the, the, uh, herbal blends 
that are also um, considered based upon that questionnaire as well. And so that's all done before. However, once you're there, um, you're signing a waiver. So the waiver is just basically stating that everything that was in the uh, pre um, consultation uh, survey is still um, accurate to the best of your knowledge. Um, at that point, I asked um, most clients to get undressed. They could either do it there or go to the restroom. Um, some clients are so open, they'll do it right in front of me. Wow. Others, they are um, <laughs> a, a little private, so sometimes they go to the restroom, which is fine. It's up to them. And then that's when I kind of explain each step of what I'm going to do. And so I explained to them that I'm going to use alkaline um, water mixed with certain herbs um, that was based upon their survey. Um, and pretty much I let them feel what the steam feels like. It's nothing warmer than maybe what you've gotten if you've had a facial done. Um, my um, steaming stools have... Uh, settings so I can go all the way down to low to extremely high, um, depending on the person's um, tolerance level. Um, and so basically, it's, we take it from there. Wow. And usually, how long is an a- a average steaming? And so, 20 minutes if you have high blood pressure. Remember, I don't want to do anything that's going to cause me to have to use my other um, training and certification. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But if you don't, how long would will, will you? 30 minutes, um, 45 minutes, and 60 minutes. Nothing more than 60 minutes for two reasons. One, you don't want to be sitting on a steaming stool and having steam. That's 60 minutes is probably the limit. And then also, the water that's inside of the steaming stool, after about 60 minutes, it may have evaporated. Mm-hmm. So those are the reasons. But no one should be steaming in one setting more than 60 minutes. Yeah, that that makes sense. Okay. And so what are some of the benefits of steaming? So as I said with me, definitely irregular and painful periods, reducing menstrual symptoms, such as bloating, cramps, any type of exhaustion. Some people have headaches. It helps with heavy bleeding. It helps start and stop bleeding. Um, It helps with women. And basically, let me kind of answer this really quickly because I didn't talk about it initially, but the way that vaginal steaming came about was prior to any of us even being born in Africa, Central America, and Asia, women started steaming to get their bodies back to their pre-childbearing states. So once Mm. they were postpartum, they would steam in order to get their bodies, like it was like a bounce back. So (laughs) I like that. Yeah. It helps promote healing after childbirth. Um, it helps reduce stress. I have some clients who come in just because they need a release from their homes. <laughs> um, they need some self-care, some private time. That's just another added benefit. It helps with hemorrhoids. I, I didn't get into it, but I am also able to steam men because it helps with hemorrhoids, poor circulation, and prostate issues. So how um, do you, you steam the, the pee? <laughs> Like, yes. well, I'm just so trying to that, visually <laughs> figure that out. <laughs> so the way that the steaming stool, my steaming stool is created, it wouldn't like um, grab onto or like crunch your penal area. It can kind of just neatly just go into the little hole or the opening 
that um, is on my STEAM in school. So yes, men get a benefit with stress relief, relaxation, poor circulation. Men have hemorrhoids, so it helps with hemorrhoids and it helps with prostate issues. Wow. I would have uh-huh. never thought. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I like, yeah, okay. so many, I mean, there's like over 20, 40, about 60 some benefits. But one that I really hold near and dear is that it helps with um, boosting fertility. I actually have four vaginal semen babies where doctors told the parents that they, they, they couldn't have children. Wow. Right. Congrats and to you for bringing life to, in the world. Right, right, right. Some of that was due to like infertility. Some of it was due to PCOS, which is um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a whole nother um, situation where you pretty much present with um, certain symptoms or certain issues. And if you have a group of these certain issues, your doctor will diagnose you with that. Some of those symptoms are excessive hair growth, weight gain, depression, what are some others? Irregular periods. And if you have like about five of those symptoms, they'll do maybe do a test. Some doctors do a test, some don't. But they'll diagnose you with what is called PCOS. And most people, women with PCOS, not all, but the ones that I've come across can't have, uh, having issues with having children as well. Oh, and wow. So, yeah. I actually, I had one um, woman who had a baby in July who lives in D.C., as a matter of fact. And Aww. she... um would come down to the vagina lounge every week around her period. And she came so much so that her boyfriend was like, look, you ain't going to, <laughs> you ain't going down to Baltimore to get no vaginal stick. Right. I'm not buying it. He was like, I'm not believing that's what's going on down there. I'm, I'm, I, I need to go. Who are you going to see? Right. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, who are you going down there to see? And so she contacted me and was like, Tara, Sean, he is not believing I'm coming down there for vaginal statement. I know you could see at the vagina lounge, I really don't let people, it's not a scientific experiment. So I really don't let people observe unless you're being serviced. It's very intimate. You know, like I said, I'm all about building relationships with my clients. So she said to me, can he just come just this one time? <laughs> and so <laughs> I said, sure, bring him on down. And he he been talking about me ever since. Yeah. Oh, has so, he done one himself? Has he got steam? He hasn't done one. He was one of those, you know, some guys just like, nah, yeah. I ain't with that. I ain't with that. <laughs> He's like, that's cool so, for you, but no. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had a few males, but it's mainly, mainly is my, my ideal um, client or person that I connect with the most are women as far as vaginal steam is concerned. So where are you located? Um, where people can, when when outside opens again. (laughs) So let's just say COVID tries to ruin things. I was previously located in Station North, right on North Avenue. However, um, I have one, maybe two new locations. I know I'm going to have this one space, um, which is going to be a little further out um, on York Road. um, And a second potential location um, which may be in the walking distance of my previous location. And so, unsure just yet, I know I'll be on York Road, not far from Towson. Um, the second location may be back in that Station North area. However, COVID tried to shake a lot of things up, but it won't stop me. Amen, because look, you got potentially two locations. Come on, come on, let's give it up for COVID and making you... 
have some more abilities to expand. It ain't going to stop us. We just okay. pausing. <laughs> well, see, I had to bring on that second. I had to kind of do two because a lot of my clients come, they, they wouldn't come to the York Road location. Mm. However, that opens up another market for me because that second location is it's a whole nother demographic um, mm-hmm. than what I had at the previous location. And so it's just going to be an added benefit. I'm here for it. And I can't wait to come. So how can people find you on social media? So on social media, I'm uh, Vaginal Steaming Lounge um, on Facebook, on Instagram, both Vaginal Steaming Lounge. Um, Yeah, pretty much that's it. I also have a website. Um, because the Vagina Lounge parent company is well with her soul. So it's a whole ministry, mm. lots of things, wellness. So you can also find me at www.wellwithhersoul.com. Wow, I love it. I'm like, I'm so excited. I cannot wait until I sat outside opens because I'm going to come get my feet yes, steamed. And I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. So I ask everybody this as our last question. And I know you said you got a good one, but you have to remember the name. <laughs> what is your favorite rosé? My favorite rosé is Bottega Sparkling Rosé. Okay. Yeah. I like yeah. them. They delicious. <laughs> and I like it sparkling. I like it because it has the the um, crisp taste of like sweet peach and strawberry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I like a little sweetness. Yes, sweetness. Love it. Yeah. Well, Tara, we just can't thank you enough. And when outside opens, we definitely want to come. I'm coming to get, you know, steam. But I also want to do another episode of like us together drinking your favorite rosé. So I can't wait to to come and see you in person. Yes, and now you know it might be two locations. Hey, I'll come to both. <laughs> well, thank right. you so much for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, cheers. Cheers. Wow, thanks, uh, Tier, for all that amazing information. And, you know, most people think that that's such a taboo conversation to talk about, you know, the lady parts. So thank you so much for being open and having a great business that focuses on the health and wellness of women and areas that we really don't talk about. Yay! And I can't wait to come to Baltimore so I can try it out because I think everybody should. <laughs> We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Justine Osella from Hey J Rose. Pew, 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 pew. Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rose Hour Podcast. And today, you guys, this is like history in the making. She's from California. Well, she's in school in California at Fresno State. She's a chemist. She is a Filipina winemaker and sommelier in progress. She's extreme foodie, amazing, smart, witty, and has some of the best pictures you will ever see on Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Her handle is Hey J Rose, none other than Justine Osella. Well, you deserve it, Queen. You do, you do. <laughs> well, welcome to the Rosie Hour podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, one, I just got to say that I am honored that you are on the show. Um, we connected with, you know, on Instagram and like your photos. I mean, just the the images you put up about rosé and other wines. It's just so intriguing. And then learning more that you are a winemaker uh, and a woman and a minority. It's just so amazing. Just so exciting to see. Oh, thank you. That means so much. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't want to belabor the moment because we need every minute of this interview to know more and like what you're doing, how you're doing it. But first, like, how did you get involved in becoming a winemaker and sort of like what sparked your journey into this industry? So um, actually, I got into wine through my dad. He's always been a wine drinker. And growing up, my parents would take me and my sister to wine country a lot. So I would travel to Napa and Paso Robles a lot. Mm. And I was just kind of intrigued by the whole atmosphere. I love the smell. Once you walk through the doors of a winery, the smell of fermentation. And I noticed the whole process of wine tasting. I found it very intriguing. Um, I just knew that I would be a wine drinker. And I didn't have my first taste of wine until I was, I believe, 16 years old. Oh, wow. You made it. You made it to at least, you know, driver's ed age. (laughs) Well, um, I actually didn't like my first taste of wine, (laughs) to be honest. But I knew that eventually I would develop a palate for it. I just knew I just lacked the education. Mm. And when I graduated high school, I actually thought I was going to go into the medical field. So I was uh, in community college, getting my prereqs done, getting ready to apply to PA school. And then I found out that the local state college offers a winemaking degree. Oh, wow. And yeah, I didn't even know that was... Like a thing. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that was a career choice back then. And um, then I started thinking about it more. I originally was a chemistry major. And so um, I found out how there's a lot of chemistry integrated into winemaking and the more and more I did research on it, the more the more I wanted to do it. So I actually took a WSET course up in the Napa Valley Wine Academy and that kind of just solidified my path in life. I said, I'm going to be a winemaker. <laughs> so that's how I got to it. <laughs> wow. And so like, how's your journey been like thus far? I know like, and, and school, you know, the education component um, and like, really would love to know more about like how that coursework, if you will, would be like, are you sipping wine all day? (laughs) And then also too, like how has this impacted sort of like your, your own experiences when you're going out or you're trying to relax and and have a good beverage as well? For sure. I, I would definitely say there has been a big difference 
from when I first started the program to now. And I've actually been in the program for quite a while. I'm a super, super senior, but that's because I've been working in the industry for, I would say, over four years now. Oh, wow. And Yeah. So before I entered the winemaking program, I actually took a break from school and I um, got my foot in the industry door and I worked for E.J. Gallo, the largest uh, family-owned winery in the world. Yeah. Um, and I kind of just got some experience out in the vineyard. I was a sugar tester. I was wearing my little sombrero uh, <laughs> awake, as, you know, at the peak of, of light in the morning. And I would just be out in the vineyard uh, procuring some samples for the lab. And uh, yeah, so that was my first job. After that, I worked as a winemaking intern for uh, another big bulk winery and I got some lab experience there. And then um, I worked for a boutique style, so it's completely different perspective. And I was able to work on sales. I worked in the case room and then they also had me work in the cellar and actually do some hands-on winemaking. So that's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I went back to school and then somewhere in the middle of that <laughs> and uh, learned a lot about wine. Before I used to think, oh, all these different notes in wine, like strawberries, they probably add strawberries to the wine, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> like, that's not exactly how it happens. <laughs> exactly. So who knew? <laughs> um, and it's it's been such an amazing journey. Every time that I go to a winery now, I'm really following um, the grid and how to analyze wines. And I'm also always thinking about what makes it this way. How? What did the winemaker do? Not only the winemaker, but what does the vineyard manager do because you know wine start winemaking starts in the vineyard not yeah. in the cellar yeah so you have to have good fruit in order to make good wine so those are some things that i've learned and uh i i feel like I, i'm very fortunate to have found my calling in life <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a it's a great industry to find your calling in <laughs> <laughs> Right? I mean, I thought I was going to go into the medical field, but I think wine counts as medicine, right? <laughs> yes. No, you're you're making the best prescription ever is the way you can look at right? it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You're making great prescriptions. And you know what? Um, they help people. And thank you for helping me. It's essentially that. So, so as a woman in this industry, like how, how has that like been, you know, I know I'm personally like I'm in an industry myself that's very male dominated and, you know, white male dominated at that. And there are days where I'm just like, <laughs> I don't want to be here. Um, and I can assume like that might be some experiences you have too, or, or is it just, People are more welcoming. Like, would love to know more about like how you've been sort of like welcomed into the the wine industry as a winemaker. Right. So I didn't really think about this until I would say the past year or so, because I never really paid attention to you know the differences between 
how men and women were treated in the industry. And you're, you're right. I, uh, I'm a woman and a person of color. I'm actually the only woman and Asian a student in the program. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I, I feel that I have noticed uh, some differences uh, in how I've been treated compared to other men. And um, sometimes it has made me quite uh, offended, a little offended. Yeah, yeah. Because I could move barrel. I'm strong too, you know? Yeah. And I understand, like, physically, I may not be able to do as much as a man, but I can do a lot. Yeah. And so it's just having that mindset to always say, yes, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Um, really showing people that you're willing to put in the work and the effort. I feel that makes a huge difference in um, showing your worth pretty much in the industry and that you're willing to, to break your back. Not really break, don't really break your back, but yeah. to, uh, to do the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. And so like, what is like a typical class that you would have in white making? Like, I'm just so like, Right. Do you, I so really want to know, are you just drinking all day? I mean, I know in Somalis, you're not supposed <laughs> right. to, you're not supposed to like swallow, but, <laughs> which is why I can never become a Somalier. It's because I'm like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spit it out. <laughs> so we actually do have sensory classes. So we do have a class where we are required to taste through the different varietals, pick up, uh, the difference between different regions and it is a sip and spit class. So because, you know, we are in school. And yeah, yeah. That we it's not a party. <laughs> I mean, they don't really, you know, pay attention whether we spit, if we spit or not. But I mean, I'm supposed to say that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but the thing is, even if you do spit, um, they say about 50 different wines if you taste through 50 different wines and you still spit, there's still a little bit that goes down. Oh, yeah. You know, and I guess 50 equals is equivalent to one glass. So you can still get tipsy after a long day. <laughs> uh, I also take tons of chemistry classes. We have um, production because we actually do have a running bonded winery at the school oh, wow. that we actually sell wine and all the students get to be hands-on and making the wine, working through harvest and press. So we're very fortunate to have that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of history, um, getting to know the grapes as well. So we're required to take some viticulture classes, wow. uh, wine business, wine management, marketing and whatnot. Jesus. I mean, you are definitely smart um, <laughs> because that's a lot. And being a chemist in itself and then doing all the agriculture and then also the business side of it, that's a lot. And like, I commend you. And I think it's actually like a great thing because I think um, now in, in especially because we're seeing more of the smaller business uh, winemakers and wineries that are out here. It, it seems like, you know, to have all those skills would be very useful. Yes, it is. There, 
essentially preparing us if we want to uh, start our own winery one day. Mm. So, which is very surprising that not a lot of us want to start our own winery. I've I found a lot of my uh, friends in the program want to work for a big wine company because they do have a lot of uh, good benefits and they take care of their, their uh, employees. So, yeah, I would assume that that industry is like, we got you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So do they have like a, a program where like you can study abroad? Like if you want to go to the south, south of France or to Italy um, to like actually like take classes there or anything, do they help provide those kind of experiences as well? Yes. So my, my program does provide that kind of experience. Um, I actually had the chance to study abroad in Spain. I studied wine business and uh, marketing and agritourism there, and it was the most amazing experience of my life. <laughs> oh wow! And how was that? You got to give you got to give us details. <laughs> uh, so um, I pretty much traveled all over Spain. Started in Madrid, and then we went up north to Valladolid, Asturias area, and then a big chunk of the time we were in Andalusia, in this little town called Ronda, or mm. Ronda. And um, on the weekends, we would travel to Granada, Alhambra, um, and also Sevilla, and Malaga. Mm. And during those times, we would get to know more about the culture of Spain. We were required to take Spanish classes. We even did a dance class. Oh, wow. Uh, there, yeah, there is a lot of fun. dancing with wine, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> there, that is so true. That is so true. Um, but a big chunk of what we did was we collaborated with the local wineries there. We did a blending competition. So we were split up into different groups. We had each team had to make their own blend. And then the most important part of that competition was the marketing. So we had to design our own label for the wine and do a marketing pitch and see who won. Oh, and wow. my group actually won the marketing pitch, which was, which was super cool. Yay! I mean, we, we can't expect anything else from you. <laughs> of course you would win. Right. And we tasted a lot of wine. Wine is so big in the culture. Wine is actually cheaper and water in Spain. It's crazy. Wow. I definitely need to, to get on a flight when this is over. <laughs> this COVID is right? over. I mean, I feel like flights are cheap right now, so you can go. Literally. I you mean, know, we just, over. yeah, just got to wear like 60 different masks, you know, a hazmat suit and I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so, and then speaking of COVID, like how was that in- impacting sort of not only the industry, but also your work? Oh, so, so I'm pretty sure you've heard a lot of wineries had to shut down their tasting room. Mm-hmm. And the first two weeks since we've been in shutdown here in Fresno, California, I've, uh, I was down on work for a couple of weeks. Uh, they reduced my hours. And just because we, I guess everyone was confused. They didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. But once they figured out that they needed to rely on online sales, the owner of the winery that I work at actually knew that I do a lot of social media work. 
And so I was actually promoted temporarily for to be a social media manager. So I've actually been busy doing that. Oh, wow. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. So I've been doing that, kind of working on their online sales promotions as just because I feel like a lot of, we're not a destination winery region. So I think, I feel like they've, they're really behind on online and social media and stuff. And so I've been kind of helping them with that on top of running my own social media. I, I'm still continuing to um, do product photography, product marketing for a lot of different wineries. And I, during the time I've actually started doing a IG live series called the winemaker series Ooh. where I interview a different winemaker every week. Oh, nice. And where can people find this? Oh, this is on my Instagram at Rose, And it's literally the perfect time to sit back at home, have a glass of wine, and also learn more about winemaking. And um, really the goal for that is for people to kind of recognize these different wineries who are in need of, you know, some help right now, especially with the shutdown of tasting rooms. And it's been a cool way for me to network with different producers as well. Yeah, I bet. And I, I did um, watch one that you did. I think it was last week. And it was so amazing and informative. And like, I learned a lot. And I'm not a person that's deeply immersed in the wine culture yet, which is why I'm on this journey with the podcast, because I love it. I spend a lot of money on it. So I'm like, I would like to know more about it. Um, it's like I an investment. <laughs> Exactly. It's an investment. Um, so are there other things that you're working on that you want to tell everybody about? Um, I'm, I've also started branching out to more lifestyle products. Um, and I started doing an IGTV series called Sip and Self-Care because I feel mm. right now it's very important to focus on self-care, mental health and whatnot, just because I feel like this time has been super stressful for everyone. So I've been doing that. Um, besides working and doing my Instagram, I have also been uh, focusing on giving myself some time and some self-care. Yes. Actually, <laughs> it's, it's been super stressful since um, because of COVID. And they, my university pretty much announced that all of fall is going to be online. Ooh. And I was supposed to graduate this December, but they're not offering the lab classes that I need. So I won't be able to graduate from next December. Oh my goodness. I know it's crazy, but, but that's okay. I, you know, because it's not only affecting me, uh, I realize it's affecting everyone else too. So I actually decided to take a break this coming fall and what better perfect timing because harvest is happening too. So I am currently uh, looking for an internship to uh, do some winemaking this, this ah, fall. So if we have any uh, people who would love to have an intern, hit up Hey J Rose. Yay! I like that. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm very, I'm very very excited. 
Good, good. So where can people find you and connect with you if they have additional questions? Or just to like right. look at your beautiful Instagram. <laughs> oh, so again, my my Instagram is at Rose for any business or um, collaboration inquiries. They can uh, contact me at heyjrose.ig at gmail.com. Um, definitely like hit me up. I answer everyone who messages me. If you have any questions about wine or any recommendations, um, literally earlier today, someone from Florida asked me like, she's going to come to California for her birthday. She wants to know what wineries to hit up. And I, I just gave her a whole list. So <laughs> anyone can come contact me. Hop in those DMs. DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Jump in those DMs, guys. Hey, Jay Rose. (laughs) But uh, with serious inquiries only. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I just adore you so much. And, you know, it has been great talking to you. We definitely have to have you back on. Um, We have virtual happy hours on Thursday. So we definitely need to, to, to see you on one of those. But before we end, I really, really want to know this answer. What is your favorite rosé? Great question. I am even <laughs> rosé, so you know I love my rosé. Yes, you are a rosé kind of gal. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my favorite region here in California is Paso Robles. So, of course, I'm going to pick a rosé from that region. <laughs> and my favorite winery, hands down, is actually Denner Vineyards. Mm. And I love their 2019 rosé. It's a blend of Cinto, Grenache, Carnian, and Mavedra. And just absolutely refreshing with like rose petals, orange zest, some guava, and just a little bit of, um, not, I wouldn't really say a spice, but it's like. Ooh. It's got a little kick to it. Like, it's super cool. It's so delicious. And um, with some like notes of strawberries as well. I've, I'm a huge fan of it. Yes. Okay. Well, I know what I'll be looking at as soon as we finish this <laughs> to order a bottle myself. So, <laughs> yes. yes. Look them up. Yes. We'll do. We'll do. <laughs> well, Justine, we are so, so, so thankful for you making time for us today. Uh, and can't wait to have you back on the show because there's a lot that we need to talk about. <laughs> oh, yes. I could talk about wine for. I wouldn't want to say days, but I would say years. So, you know, take my brain. Let's, let's definitely do this again. Yes, definitely. We'll appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. Of course. Great interview, Justine. And thanks so much for sharing how you uh, got into the wine industry and also becoming a winemaker. That is super fetch and you're making women all over the world proud. <laughs> Want to thank both my guests, Tierra Booker, Justine Osilla. Um, don't forget if you're in Baltimore to go to the Vaginal Steamy Lounge, uh, look up Tierra. Uh, and of course, in the description, you'll see how you can connect. Um, and if you're in California and want to know about some great you know, vineyards and connect to some great brands, definitely hit up Justine with Hey J Rose on Instagram. They're both amazing people. And thank you guys both so much for being on our, our show today. I want to shout out Bartender Ben. Thanks so much for all of your insight, as always, and delicious pours. 
want to thank all of you for listening. And also, we have some more amazing guests next week. So stay tuned. Tune in to us on the podcast every Wednesday. Head to Instagram on Thursdays for our virtual happy hours at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Soulful Sundays every Sunday at 2 p.m. Also, this Sunday or Saturday is Rosé Day. It's National Rosé Day, guys. It's the day we've been training for. So don't forget to join us on Saturday on IGTV as well as Facebook and Zoom as we're going to have a special little party uh, highlighting some amazing people in the rosé industry. So you don't want to miss this. It's going to be a fun-filled extravaganza. Don't forget, follow us here on Instagram as well. Facebook, all social media at the Rosé Hour. Well, I'll go to our website, rosiehourpodcast.com. We have awesome merch. And also, we have some new stuff coming in the month of July. So stay tuned. And again, thanks again for listening to us. We appreciate your support. And see you all next Wednesday. Pew, 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 pew.